Welcome to Crosspoint. 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 An interactive program featuring ministers and leaders of the Christian community addressing the issues that are challenging the church today. Here's your host, Mark Taylor. The fear of God leads to wisdom and opens the way to worship. This is Mark Taylor, and welcome to Crosspoint. Today, we are going to take a look at the good, the bad, and the ugly side of fear. My guest is author, pastor, R.T. Kendall. Well, it's great that we have with us again here on our Crosspoint program, R.T. Kendall, through the years. He's been on with us with his different books, and uh, he's got one out now. And R.T., you talk about fear, and you know, you talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of fear, but you know... It seems like today, in my opinion, we're living in the most fearful society I've ever witnessed. Would you think that's any truth to that? Yeah, I'm sure you're right. There's no question. So in your book, you're trying to unpack, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So there's three basic sides of fear. Is that true? Well, let me just define each. The good fear is the fear of God. The bad fear, fear of man. And then there's what I call demonic fear. That sometimes overlaps with the fear of man. Which seems to grip the heart of man the most, this fear of man, the satanic fear, do you think, is the most thing that grabs? Well, I think it begins with the fear of man. Fear of man is a snare, said Proverbs. Right. And that's because we've forgotten the fear of God. If we would uh, concentrate on the, the, the main fear, the good fear, the fear of God, then we will uh, avoid the fear of man, not to mention uh, demonic fear. Now, in the introduction of the book, you talk about Pastor Gene Phillips, and you talk about as far back as I can remember, every time I heard him preach, uh, I preached a sense of fear came over, fear of God came over me. But then you go on down there a few more lines down, you said, I pray that we'll never lose this fear of displeasing God. How does that work that you could actually, in a way, fear God, but love that type of fear? Well, strange as it may seem, it's simultaneous. The fear of God means you love Him, and you love Him from being what He is. And in the same way that you love your parent, uh, there's a certain reverence you have for your parent. You love them, but you want to please them, and so much more with God Himself, who is our Heavenly Father. So, part one of the book is entitled The Good Fear of God. So, good fear of God is more of a reverence. I know that word sometimes shows up in the Bible when they're talking about the fear, you know, of God. It's talking about the reverence of God. Is that kind of what the that fear well, is, a reverence? It, it, yes, certainly. But uh, don't be too anxious to try to make God look good. Uh, there are those who hasten to say, oh, I wouldn't want anybody be afraid of God? Well, I I wouldn't go that far. I think it'd be good if people were afraid of him. Uh, they thumb their nose at God. Uh, doesn't bother them uh, at yeah. all. They thumb their nose at the church. Doesn't bother them at all. When Jonathan Edwards preached his sermon, yeah. Sinners in the Hands of, of, of an Angry God, July 8, 1741, Enfield, Connecticut, uh, people were holding on to church pews to keep from sliding into hell. Uh, Men, strong men, were seen outside the church holding on to tree trunks to keep from sliding into hell. Uh, These people were afraid. And 
We don't need to defend that, gloss over it. This is a, a point in American history. And you have the revival that began in 1801-1802 called the Cane Ridge Revival, yes. known as America's Second Great Awakening. On a Sunday morning in July 1801, a Methodist lay preacher stood on the top of a fallen tree. There were 15,000 people gathered, and he took his text from 2 Corinthians 5.10. We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of the things done in the body, whether they be good or bad. And the power of God came on the people, and the fear of God came on the people, and hundreds, I mean hundreds, fell to the ground all at once. Nobody pushed them. Nobody was praying for them to fall. They just fell. And for the next four days, between Sunday and Wednesday, there were no fewer than 500 flat out on the ground. That was the Cane Ridge Revival. So these are episodes uh, in history we must not gloss over. It shows what can happen when there is a genuine fear of God and It's interesting to me that both the Great Awakening in New England in the 18th century and the Cane Ridge Revival in the early 19th century both dealt with future events, judgment, hell. And that's something that is lost. Uh, Preachers don't touch it today. Uh, It's a very rare moment. If you find somebody that believes in hell, much less preaches on hell. And this is one of the reasons there's no fear of God. So I, I'm just pointing out that, of course, it's reverent, but let's not gloss over too much. Do you realize that the first message of the New Testament, I mean the very first message of the New Testament, John the Baptist, Matthew chapter 3, verse 7, who has warned you to flee, I mean run from the wrath of God? Yeah. You know, nobody's running from it, but John the Baptist says it's coming. And uh, uh, the Apostle Paul says we're justified by faith because we avoid the coming wrath. When I talk about fear of God, I mean, you are in reverence, that's for sure. And sometimes people can be afraid, and we must not try to apologize for that. Now, you mentioned many times it's not being preached from the pulpits. Why is that? Why, Why have pastors got away from that? Probably because they don't want to lose their congregation. They are doing their best to keep people coming back, and they are afraid that if they preach that, people won't come to church. And so they don't do it. I think that's why. Uh, some of them don't even believe it. That's another reason they don't well, preach yeah, it. don't even believe it. This was posed to a pastor one time that I remember, and they asked him why he didn't preach on sin that much, didn't preach on the fear of God, didn't preach on repentance or the second coming or anything like that. His remark was, hey, I grew up under that. That stuff was just always beat over our heads week after week. And he said, I didn't see that it done a lot of good for where the church is today. And I thought, but the church was a lot stronger to me back then than it seemed to be today, <laughs> you know, with that type of preaching. But that's kind of what a lot of them think, I guess. Well, it's important that we emphasize the anointing, the oh, yeah. Holy Spirit being in this. A person could uh, preach hell without the anointing, and just uh, 
get something off his chest and shout at the people, and that makes the doctrine of hell look bad. And uh, uh, you mentioned Gene Phillips, uh, my earliest preacher. Uh, his son, Gene Jr., by the way, had his 88th birthday last <laughs> week, and he and I keep in touch with each other. Well, his dad, Gene Phillips, had an anointing of the Holy Spirit, and when he, when the fear of God uh, was uh, mediated by his preaching and his presence, uh, there are not many people like that today. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's my earliest memory, and I am convinced that uh, he shaped my preaching possibly more than anybody. I wish I had his anointing. I wish that I had uh, a sense of God that would bring about such uh, urgency. And uh, uh, it's a thing that's missing. I long for it, to have the urgency he had and the authority he had and the boldness. Uh, That seems to be completely disappeared from the Church. Yeah. And that's what is needed, in my opinion, more than anything. Chapter 3 of the book is entitled Understanding the Fear of God. Here you've got a quote from O.S. Hawkins that says, The concept of the fear of the Lord is the single most important missing element in the Church of our day. And then you go over here to page 45 and you say, Fear is an emotion. It is one. It is what one feels, and yet it can be taught. So you can teach fear in the right way, correct? Yes, yes. Come, little children, said the psalmist, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Yeah, very. It is very simple, isn't it? <laughs> well, uh, in a sense. Yes. yes. Chapter four of the of the book says a most important choice, and you say one of the worst addictions on the planet is to be in bondage to what people think of us. It is. Uh, relentless, painful, natural, and an easy vehicle for Satan to seize upon and terrorize us. That's a pretty strong statement. That is true. It's true. You're talking about being an addiction and bondage. I guess bondage is an addiction that can get us into where we live in fear all the time of what's going on in our world around us. You see, people are controlled by what they think the other person is thinking Mm. And we make decisions based upon what we feel will be said about us if we make that decision. And instead of seeking the Lord and saying, what would you have me do? We look over our shoulder and think, oh, what will my friends think of me? Uh, Will I get an invitation again? Uh, What about my reputation? And to worry about that sort of thing, you see, that's, it's terrorizing, in my opinion. Yeah. It drives a person to such anxiety. And he's not his own person. Not living out of the fear of God, but out of the fear of other people. And uh, the Bible's against it. Now, are you saying then that fear, the fear that we people living in fear, really holds them back from being what God wants them to be, and Satan is, uh, sets that trap? Absolutely. Uh, John 5.44 let this verse sink in. Anybody listening? John five forty four. People ask, how come Israel missed their Messiah? And Jesus gives the answer. John five forty four. How can you believe who receive honor one of another 
and seek not the honor that comes from the only God. In other words, the Jews, the Pharisees, they missed their Messiah because they were more worried about what everybody thought about them. And they didn't want to be put out of the synagogue. And they knew if they praised Jesus, their careers were finished. And so Jesus said to them, I know you don't believe in me, but how can you? Because the only thing you think about is what people think of you. And so to this day, people can miss what God is in because they're making the decision not to, for the glory of God, but what people will think of them. Yeah. Now, R.T., you've written a lot of books over the years. Uh, I'm amazed that, that you're still putting them out. And I'm glad that you are, because there's always good stuff in them. So if somebody wants to find out more about this book, The Fear, or any other book that you've done, how would they go about doing that? Uh, well, I have a website. Yes. RTKennelMinistries.com. I also do a, a tweet every day that is um, recorded, 60 seconds. Uh, you can, I don't know how to get it yeah. well you can google uh, rt kendall twitter and you can g- get my tweet for that day or the day before and see dozens and dozens of others i don't advertise myself so basically if somebody just kind of googles your name that'll actually get them to where your website and stuff like that you, is you, you need to google my name and twitter rt kendall twitter <laughs> and you will get uh, my tweet and uh I do one every day. I've done for three years. Folks, stay with us. We're going to talk more here with RT in just a moment about the good, the bad, and the ugly of fear. Stay with us. This is Mark Taylor. If you miss a broadcast of Crosspoint, you can always go to our website at www.kneo.org and click on the programs page. There you can access the current Crosspoint program as well as the last four programs that have been aired. Never miss another Crosspoint program again. Go to www.kneo.org today. Are you a Christian who likes to read? If not, there's a whole world of Christian publishing out there that you're missing out on. I invite you to check out the Author's Corner podcast where I talk to the latest Christian authors each week about their new book releases and what's coming next. So if you're ready to jumpstart your spiritual growth with the newest books and the authors who write them, check out the Author's Corner podcast with me, Roberta Foster. Welcome back to Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor. My guest today, R.T. Kendall, his latest book, Fear, and a real eye-opening book to how we need to live our lives, and basically a reverence to God, but the word fear is in the Bible many times. And speaking of that, R.T., in the, I think it's the fifth chapter, Why is the Fear of Man a Snare? You say over here on page 80, you say, we are vulnerable to the trap because we don't know God's word. My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. You quote Hosea, uh, you know, quote Hosea there. And you say, one of our my greatest concerns for the church at this present time is that people do not know their Bibles. And yep, when that, with that happening, all kinds of things can happen wrong, can't they? You know, 50 years ago, when I was in my early days of ministry, uh, many laymen would know their Bibles as well as any preacher. You could start a verse and they could finish it and quote it. Uh, but today it's altogether different. Not only do laymen not know their Bibles, but preachers don't know their Bibles. 
There are countless preachers that only turn to the Bible when they need a text or a sermon, and that's when they open their Bibles. Uh, I would urge anybody listening to have a Bible reading plan. There are many. You can go online and get a Bible reading plan. It'll take you through the Bible in a year. I personally use uh, uh, Robert Murray McShane's Bible reading plan. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones introduced it to me uh, uh, 45 years ago. And uh, I I can honestly say that I've read the Bible through uh, nearly 45 times the New Testament twice. So this is a thing. People aren't motivated. And the fear of God is gone, and the knowledge of the Bible is gone, and uh, it can't get much worse. All we can hope for is, I hope my eschatology is right, because I take the view that the next thing to happen on God's calendar is not the second coming, but the awakening of the Church just before. This is something that I've believed for years and years and years. I hope I'll be alive. I'm 87 years old be 88 next month. I want to see it. Uh, But believe me, if God takes me home before, it's coming. And that's the only thing that's going to remedy what we're talking about today. It will be a a revival of the fear of God and a revival for a love for preaching and a love for the Bible. Uh, That needs to happen. Well, I agree with you. I want to see that as well. Chapter 6 of the book, you talk about overcoming the fear of man. Now, you tell the story, and I've heard some of it before, but I want you to kind of tell us how this affected you and your ministry. Now, you mentioned Martin Lloyd-Jones, which you were the pastor after him there in London. Is that correct, at Westminster? Well, there was a pastor that followed him for some four years. Yeah. A very good man, but he didn't stay long. Yeah. Took a church in Canada. Yeah. People think I followed him. Yeah. What is true, that Dr. Lloyd-Jones put me there, uh, that part is true, uh, but uh, there was a pastor between us. Well, you talked about, and sometimes there has to be a stirring in the church to get things happening, and so you mentioned the agony of the years that followed, and Arthur, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his words right, Blessed's uh, visit yeah, to Arthur us. Blessed. Right, but it culminated in your church a meeting uh, when he came there, and it really changed a lot of things, didn't it? Made a big difference. Arthur Blessed uh, became well-known because he says God told him to take the cross down from the wall, which he had erected for his coffeehouse ministry, and carry it on foot around the world. Well, people laughed him to scorn. Uh, It turns out that 50 years later, he didn't know this would happen, but he got the Guinness Book of Records for the world's longest walk, uh, some 45,000 miles, and... In the meantime, there'll be more, in my opinion, in my opinion, there'll be more people in heaven as a result of Arthur's uh, one-to-one ministry than anybody else who had a one-to-one ministry. I don't say that he had the most souls to one, like I think Billy Graham would get credit for that. But based on a one-to-one testimony, there'll be more people in heaven on the basis of Arthur doing what he did when he carried the cross around the world. All he did is lead people to Jesus. Well, the point being, I had him at Westminster Chapel. He turned us upside down, Uh, but uh, I lost uh, many members as well, and six of my 12 deacons turned against me, and uh, they wanted to throw me out, but the church stayed with me and voted them out. 
But they, they were very hard days. And one has got to be willing to pay a price when you just stick by the Word and go by what you believe the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. Yeah. When you talk about the fear, you mentioned something here in the book, page 125. And you, you say, consider the men who took over the controls on the airplanes that went straight into New York's Twin Towers and the Pentagon on September 11th. These men were fearless. They were totally dedicated to Islam, Allah, and hatred for America. And, you know, there are people out there, they're not afraid of God, and they're not afraid of nothing, especially if uh, the devil can use them. He's really looking for people like that, isn't he? Well, the Apostle Paul talks about those who have a seared conscience, and it doesn't bother them. Uh, nothing bothers them. Uh, my friend Joseph Sung used to say to me, the most dangerous person in the world is a person not afraid to die. Well, that's what you had with those Islamic men. And hopefully there'll be Christians like that and willing to go to the stake for what they believe. And there are people being persecuted, as you and I talk right now. There are people being persecuted all over the world, whether China, Indonesia, and possibly some places in America that we don't know about. When people have such a love for God and His glory that they'll pay any price to uphold the gospel. Yeah. Well, you talk about that, page or so over, you talk about the martyrs of the early church and how they were unafraid to die, you know, and how being unafraid to death is so important, you know, because actually, wouldn't you say that when you are unafraid to die, you actually are going to be able to live a lot better? Yeah, well, you're not ready to live until you're ready to die. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, the most important question you can ask anybody, and I would ask it to anybody listening right now, do you know for sure that if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? And then, if you stood before God, and you will, and he were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? And so this is the question Arthur Blessed asked wherever he went, uh, D. James Kennedy from the the Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. This is the evangelism explosion program that he taught and I have followed. Uh, the point is, it's all about where will you spend eternity? And that message has been lost. Now, you, you mentioned uh, one that was martyred for the faith here, Polycarp. Uh, some's heard of him. But you talk about how that, you know, they wanted him to praise Caesar and deny Christ. And he said he wasn't going to do it. In fact, he said, how could he do it? And then he actually said, go ahead and ignite the flame. And it says as the flame burned around his body and came into the stadium, a wind that caused the fire to encircle his body, and Polycarp would not die. So then they threw a spear in his side and had to go other ways. But this man was willing to do whatever he needed to do. And even when God came in one way to protect him, you know, it still didn't turn out that he lived in the end, but he really did live because he wasn't afraid to die. Yeah. Yeah, he lived a few, few moments, but they still got him. Yes. Uh, but he, he, he but, was one that his his story has impacted how many people since that happened uh, that many millions years ago? And millions yes. and millions. Right. So we, uh, we can see our lives can be the very same way. Yeah. I hate to say it, but it may take a multitude of martyrdoms 
that will awaken the church and cause the revival of Christianity. I want to mention another book you did. I think we even did an interview on this. But you talk about on, on Chapter 7 of Spiritual Warfare. And you talk about the book, you, in your book, Popular in Heaven, Famous in Hell. You said, I would be flattered to think that I really am a threat to the devil. That would mean my ministry worries the devil. So should that not be something we all should address with our own sure. lives? You know, sure. is, is the devil actually afraid to see me get up in the mornings <laughs> and yeah. see me to go well, into a day, you know? He, the devil wouldn't want you to know it if he was afraid of you. Right. But uh, I'll tell you now, <laughs> nothing could give me more honor and self-confidence and pleasure to think that I'm a threat to the devil. Yeah. You know, my fear is that he doesn't even know about me. Yeah. But he knew about the Apostle Paul, because the demon says, Jesus we know, Paul we know, but who are you? And uh, so Paul, obviously, was known in hell. Yeah. And uh, the idea of the book is that we could be popular in heaven in the sense that uh, the loved ones that have gone on to heaven would rejoice in us and our testimony, famous in hell, like Paul. Uh, but I don't think many are very famous in hell that yeah. I'd like to be. So how can a believer kind of get freed from the entrapment of fear? What do you suggest? What do they need to do? It's a, it's a quick answer. Yeah. A love for the glory of God. Mm. Where you want his honor, his praise, his appeal to mean more to you than anything in the world. And that uh, you'd get your joy from thinking that he is smiling on you. You live for one thing, that one day he will praise you. One day he will say, well done. And you'd rather have that than anything in the world. And sometimes he'll give you advance token of that and let you know even today he's pleased with you. And God has a way of uh, keeping some people going, letting them know, well done, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. Even now, you don't have to wait till the judgment to get his pleasure, but you can sense. Look, Enoch, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, had this testimony before he was taken to heaven that he pleased God. Well, that's the thing, pleasing God. By the way, the next book that will come out by me uh, is uh, in October of this year. It's called Pleasing God. So you're saying that for the person that will just live their life to please God, live actually their life for his pleasure, and and whatever he asks them to do, that's going to be the kind of person the fear's not going to bother, and they're going to exactly. live, live a life. Well, I don't say it doesn't bother us. I think, I think we all uh, are bothered. Uh, you can't say you're unaware of people uh, threaten you or criticize you laugh at you for what you believe. I mean, you've got to be aware of it, but you make a choice. And the choice is, I choose to do what I know would honor God. And you live by that. And it can be scary to do that. So don't let me convey the idea that you'll have no fear. Of course I think you'll be afraid. If I thought there was a knock on my door and the man was going to kill me for the gospel, uh I wouldn't worry about it because I wouldn't want my wife to have to see it or my uh, children. Uh, but, but 
uh, you would still make a choice. You make a choice to please God, and that's where you get your joy. Now, so, R.T., this book, basically any book that you've written, they can contact you or uh, just Googling your name, is that right? Yeah, well, go on my website, rtkennelministries.com, and my address is in the public domain, how to reach me if you want to. R.T. Kendall Ministries.com. All right. Well, folks, stay with us, and we're going to be back with R.T. Kendall and more right after this. Are you walking in everything God has for you? Hi, I'm Pastor Gary Culp, and I'd like to invite you to check out the Exceedingly Abundant Ministries podcast, available from the Sky High Podcast Network. This 30-minute weekly Bible study will give you time to grow spiritually and get to know God and His Word on a deeper level. God has more in store for you than you ever realized. Listen to Exceedingly Abundant Ministries today and learn about how God can do more with your life than you ever imagined. Because we can't possibly know every struggle you face. Because every struggle is personal. Because every person needs Jesus. Because Jesus said, go. Today, 91.7 The Word is here. We welcome every tomorrow. Welcome back to Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor, your host today, and my guest today is R.T. Kendall. He's written a lot of books, and I've I've read the books. I mean, R.T., your book, uh, Total Forgiveness, and other books like that have really, really blessed me. I really appreciate, you know, how you have put a lot of books together over the years. You talk about spiritual warfare, and I, I believe probably part of, and I guess that's the ugly side of the satanic fear that we mess with is the spiritual warfare and i believe it's probably greater intensity today than i've ever felt it before tell us about what what you feel there uh you know towards this satanic fear and how it really can grip a person sometimes first of all when jesus said in the lord's prayer we pray uh lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil the Greek word is probably best translated, lead us from the evil, deliver us from the evil one. It, it's just to remind you that there is a devil. There is evil in the world. And uh, the devil is your enemy. He wants to lead you any way he can. He may come as a, uh, an angel of light. He may come as a roaring lion. Uh, and his first step is to oppress you. And if possible, he will possess you. I don't know how often that happens. I don't claim to be an expert on demonology, uh, but uh, the devil is very real. And I had one case. I wish I could say I had more than one. I might have had two, but not many, of actually casting out a, a demon. A man came to me at Westminster Chapel who... Uh, had been he had been converted, and then he came to see me and he said, "I've got something wrong." He said, "My stomach it's like a razor blade just cutting me up in my stomach," and uh, he said, "It's so painful." And I said, "Well, I don't know what to say." He said, "But I think I need to tell you, and I'm ashamed to tell you, Doctor Kendall, but I attended a black mass." Well, when he said that, I knew immediately what to do. 
because I'd been taught by Martin Lloyd-Jones. So immediately I began to cover, uh, ask God to cover me with the blood of Jesus and started praying, Jesus, cover me with your blood. And then taking the advice of Martin Lloyd-Jones, I started to say audibly to this man, Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. 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 And the man started to go, oh, 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 oh. And then I said, in the name of Jesus, come out of him and go to the place of your appointment. And he just went limp, limp. And I carried him into the church and had him sit in the pew. And I said, you just stay here as long as you want to. About five minutes later, he came out with a smile on his face, color in his face. And all he could say was, I don't know what you did, but I feel so good. And uh, so that's just, I wish I could say that happens all the time, but, but it did happen once. And then I had one other case where I think there was a, a demon possession and uh, healing. Uh, I'm not an expert on it, but I think that's what I mean by satanic fear. Yeah, and it, and this can affect the Christians, what you're saying. When people say, well, a Christian can't really be affected by this, you're saying this man was a Christian? Yeah. And Martin Lloyd-Jones took the view that a Christian could have a demon. He, he said it's rare. You know, it, it, it doesn't happen often, but it can happen. And uh, he told me the story of Hudson Taylor, missionary in China, who uh, cast a demon out of a person, and then right after that he became paralyzed. And Hudson Taylor, he, he was paralyzed. And he said to his friends, I made a mistake. I didn't pray for my own protection. And the demon that I cast out went into me. And so they gathered around him and covered him with, with the blood of Jesus and, and exercised the demon, and the paralysis went away. So that's an example. Lloyd-Jones held to that. And uh, I've got other experiences, but you probably don't want to go into all those today. But yes, a, a Christian can. It's rare, but it, it's true. Yeah. And I think in many cases, it's oppression rather than possession. Yeah. Uh, but that's part of the book that you kindly wanted to interview me about. Yeah, and I believe it's a good one, because I think there's a, definitely not a lot of talk about this area uh, of people being this way, and, you know, something's not right, you know, when you're around them, you can tell. And sometimes, and, and even though they're good people, Christian people, there's still something there, and I I agree. Now, you wrote another book, I just want to mention, because we interviewed you on this one, too. We've never been this way before. And that was kind of talking about what we had experienced through COVID and stuff like that. But did not the fact of COVID bring a lot of fear of man? Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, just people just live in terror that yes. they're going to die. And, uh, you know, wear masks. And uh, some people still wear the mask. I don't want to go into that. That's political, but. Yeah. Yeah, people are just afraid all the time. Correct. Sure. And and you know, you're you're right. That is exactly what I feel when I just see today after that's already kinda of went by and I'll see somebody still in a mask and I'll like, Why are they so gripped by fear that they, they won't even and this has been a couple of years, you know. I, I, I really tell you what, feel a little sorry sometimes. I feel bad for them. You know, yeah. because man, if somebody is so 
gripped by that. But anyway, like you say, it's another deal instead of political area. Uh, in the book, you've got the evil day. And I'm looking at page 150 right now. It says, every trial is a test from God, an examination. Either you pass or fail. He keeps score. If you fail, as I did again and again for too many years, God says, sorry about this, but I will have to arrange another trial for you. The good news is God gives second chances. The bad news is if we don't start uh, dignifying trials instead of mourning, uh, groaning, grumbling, murmuring, and complaining, we have to keep resisting trials. So tell us about that area. What does this have to do with this area of fear? Well, you've got to remember, you take the story of Job and what he went through. People forget. People forget. Who do you suppose an- inaugurated that whole situation? It was God himself. Yeah. God said to the devil, have you considered my servant Job? And so God started it and then gave the devil permission to go so far, but no farther. Well, that's uh, an example. So that when I go through a trial, I must never forget. Or in the words of a great hymn, I don't know if you know the hymn, Like a River Glorious. Great hymn, great hymn. Well, one verse says, Every joy or trial cometh from above. And so just remember that, that God initiated it, and but how you react, whether you complain or grumble, and some people shake their fist at God, how could you let this happen? Uh, he doesn't like that. And I would advise anybody to say, Lord, you've got a purpose in this. I don't understand it. But remember the King James Version translation of that verse in James. The wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Don't think that you're getting angry is going to cause him uh, to have pity for you. And uh, just remember, you've got to dignify the trial, honor the trial, and know that God started it, and there's a purpose in it. And by honoring him, when it ends, and you didn't complain, God gives you a pass, and you are elevated to a higher level of glory. That's what the verse means about being changed from glory to glory, and it comes almost always through a trial, and the trial concludes with a higher level of the presence of God. Well, the chapter 9 in the book kind of, well, that's one, I've never heard of this thought before anyway. It's called Collective evil, uh, you quote C.S. Lewis here, the greatest evils in the world will not be carried out by men with guns, but by men with suits sitting behind desks. And that's very true. But collective evil, what are you saying here? What is the collective evil? That's when people together uh, unite. Uh, you take Satanists. Uh, they'll have their places where they meet together. And uh, it, it's not always that overt, uh, but uh, it's true that people in business suits, bankers, lawyers, can be demon-possessed and uh, be just as nice as they can be. And uh, you are taken in by them. And this is why the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14, Do not be surprised. The devil comes as an angel of light. 
and that's when respectable people uh, can be demon-possessed, and uh, they can deceive you and win you over. And so that's why C.S. Lewis said what he did. Yeah. Now, do you believe that fear—I've read it in here where you talk about the fear of the Lord is a choice? Do you believe that it yeah. is a choice? Well, yes, you can choose uh, to have a fear of God. Now, it can be taught, uh, as the psalmist said, Come, little children, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Uh, it can be caught, like in the Great Awakening or the Cane Ridge Revival. Uh, but at the end of the day, you have to say, Lord, I choose to honor you, and I choose to show reverence to you. And it's a choice that you make, and you want to fear God more than anything in the world. And God will honor that choice, and you will never be sorry when you make that choice to fear the Lord. In the conclusion of the book, you say the fear of God leads us to peace, makes us aware of how real God is. Fear doesn't have to rule your life. When you make the fear of God your greatest priority— you can walk free of the ungodly fear. Step out in courage and truly trust God with His promises. When you do this, the fear of man loses its power over you, and you're able to live boldly in Christ Jesus. You say that's really your prayer for people, isn't it? That they Absolutely. don't let fear rule over their lives. Yep. Well, you're, you're doing a good job. You're quoting me. Yeah. And I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with you. <laughs> Well, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, though. What What's the opposite of fear? It's peace. And, you know, yes. of course, the devil don't want us to have peace, so he tries to get us to live in fear. But when we yep. overcome that fear, uh, we will experience peace, correct? Yeah, well, you've, you've understood my book very well. Yeah. You didn't need to interview me. You've already got it. Yeah. Well, there might be a few other people out there uh, listening that maybe need some help, because I know there's a lot of people that— live in fear or tea and 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 struggle with it um i've just seen members of families and different things uh from things in the past years past never got past those things and continually live a fearful life and they don't really actually live in my opinion they just exist in life would you say that when somebody just lives in the fear of, of not fearing god and all the other things that they just really exist in life i don't know about the fear of not fearing God. No, but I mean, uh, if they do fear, if they don't know that even how to fear God, you know, they don't, you know, they're afraid of everything. They're even afraid of God. You well, know, you see, the problem is people like that don't have good leadership. Yeah. Uh, I hate to say it, and there are exceptions. Thankfully, there are exceptions. But most pastors today they don't preach that would cause a person to have a fear of God at all. And so there's no fear of God in the nation. There's no fear of God in the church, speaking generally. Thank God for the exceptions. So, again, if people are interested in this book and others, they just need to go to rtkindleministries.com. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. Or they can go to rtkindle on Twitter if they want to read what you're putting out every day. You do it every day. Is that correct? I do a, a, a tweet every day. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, I know that your many years upon this earth has helped some of us, you know, as we've read your books and stuff, because I don't think I've ever 
picked up, and I've read several of your books, and I don't think I've ever picked up one that I wasn't able to glean some good stuff out of. So I appreciate you giving us the opportunity to talk to you today here on Crosspoint. And hopefully, less uh, new book you say you got coming out later on, we'll be able to talk with you about that as well. Well, I've got two books coming out this year and one next year. And I'm already, I'm, as I, when you phoned me today, I'm in the middle of writing another book. Uh, which will come out probably in three years. And and you're just turning, getting ready to turn 88, is that correct? Yeah, sure. And if I live until the 13th of next month, I'll be 88 years old. Well, thanks for keeping up the work for the Lord and and uh, being a part of, of letting us get an insight on the, the wisdom you've gained over the years and what God's taught you. So thanks so much, R.T., for being with us today here on Crosspoint. Thank you. You're very kind. God bless you. Well, that was a great interview today with R.T. Kendall. I've always respected his ministry throughout the years. He's always been a solid person to follow. And you know why? Because he's written all these books. It's because he's went by the book that I have in my other hand right now, the Holy Bible. That's where he's centered everything about life around. And it's made a big difference in the lives of many others. And it'll make a difference in the life of you as well. Why? Because the Bible accurately directs every life. And it contains the most important words you're ever going to read and certainly ever follow. Be sure to join us again next time as we again discuss issues that are affecting the church. Have a great week. Allow God to use you for His purposes so that greater things can be done. Make your life count in God's plans for eternity. I'm Mark Taylor. Crosspoint is a program produced in Studio 101 at KNEO Radio. Not all of the views on Crosspoint reflect those of the management or staff of KNEO. You may contact the Crosspoint program at 10827 Highway 86 East, the Osho, Missouri, 64850, or by email, crosspoint at kneo.org. You can hear Crosspoint four times a week, Saturday morning at 1, Saturday afternoon at 2, Saturday evening at 9, and Sunday evening at 7. You can also listen anytime online. Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri is proud to be sponsoring this portion of broadcasting on KNEO. Owned by Judy and Danny Harper, Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri specializes in French Bulldogs. For more information, the phone number is 417-628-3083. If you live within the broadcast area of KNEO Radio, we have a podcast just for you. The KNEO Community Connection keeps your finger on the pulse of what's coming up in the four-state area telling you about upcoming events you don't want to miss, organizations in our communities doing great work, and conversations with the dynamic citizens who are behind it all. There's a lot going on around you that you don't want to miss. This is Luke Taylor. Join me each week as we talk about what's happening with the people who are making it happen. Brought to you by KNEO Radio 91.7 FM and the Sky High Podcast Network. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts.